Amen. Good evening, everyone. Open your Bible to the book of Amos, chapter 3, with me, and we'll look at a scripture here together. Amos, chapter 3, in the Old Testament. We'll read from verse 1, and we'll read a short portion of this chapter, and then we'll look at a few scriptures together. When you're all there, Amos, chapter 3. And it reads, Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when he hath no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he hath taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants the prophets. The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? Let's pray briefly together before we look at the words. Ask God to speak to us. Uh, Father, we are grateful that we can be gathered here and not only gathered, but We can stand here in Christ. We can stand here forgiven, not with our own righteousness, but with Christ's. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful for the brethren that meet here. We do pray that this would edify your people. I do pray that you'd help me to use the word of God rightfully and not hold back or not give my own interpretation or follow a feeling of mine. I pray that Christ would give me wisdom and that his name would be glorified in all this. So please bless your people. Speak to them now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Amos before, but Amos, a prophet in the Old Testament, obviously with the book named after him, he lived in a day very, very similar, very similar to the day that we live in. Look at verse one. This is the Lord speaking. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, now, God is basically declaring that they are his people, and that not just he has a right to them because he is God, but because he redeemed them and brought them from Israel, he brought them redemption, but they've turned away from him. He says in verse 2, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Now, it's rightful that God would punish the iniquity of the world, but we're thankful for his redemption. In verse 3, it says this, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, I always see this this differentiation, always light from darkness in the Bible, all the time. Light from darkness, God's people and the world. All the time, you always see it very finely divided and very clearly divided. And he says to Amos, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, we've heard this quoted many, many times, but can God's people walk with the world 
and not be agreed with them. Impossible. And then he, he gives us many rhetorical questions that follow. He says this, will a lion roar in the forest when he hath no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he hath taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? It's saying nothing happens by accident. The Lord is moving in every which way he does. Nothing comes to him by surprise at all. In verse 7 it says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secret unto his servants the prophets. And carry on in verse 8. The lion hath roared, who will not fear? I'm sure if a lion came on this field, not even close to the tent, it would turn every head in here. It would shudder some hearts in here, no doubt. If a lion roars, of course there'll be fear. But he says this. The Lord God hath spoken. Who can but prophesy? If God has spoken, if God's people believe that this come from God, what can we but do? If God gave these scriptures, I better stay close to this. If God gave these scriptures, all God's people can do is but preach it, is but prophesy. And that's what he says to Amos. If you'll just look just briefly in, in chapter two, if you'll look here. In verse 12 of Amos, that is. But ye gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophet saying, prophesy not. Now you'll see this many, many times in the scriptures. In the day of Amos, he was told not to prophesy because there was many false prophets prophesying false things. Smooth things, lies in the name of the Lord. And he was forbidden to prophesy. They were forbidden to follow in the ways of God. Now if you turn to Jeremiah with me, Jeremiah chapter 20 please Jeremiah chapter 20 just to the left similar day in Jeremiah's day in Jeremiah's day chapter 20 in Jeremiah now this man wasn't just forbidden to speak in fact he was lied about and he was called a traitor he was he was told that he was dealing treacherously with God's people he's he was even accused of taking bribes from the Babylonians to preach against his own people, to put fear in their hearts. That's how he was treated before. He was even smote, put in stocks, and then put in a well to die of hunger. If you look here, in verse 8 of Jeremiah chapter 20, it says this, For since I spake, oh, sorry, start in verse 7. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. Imagine, put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes. He preaches, prophesies, he does the will of the Lord. He hears what God says to him in secret and he tells it openly. He does not hold back and he's a young man as well. He's a young man. And then if you even go back to chapter five, it says that he was commanded to go through the streets of Jerusalem. And he says, Jeremiah, go through the streets of Jerusalem now and tell me if you find anyone that executes judgment. Tell me if you find anyone that seeks after truth and you will not find one. And that's very similar to the day that we live. Very similar. Jeremiah was put almost, as you could say, on a useless mission to find faithful people, but he wasn't going to be successful. Now we feel like that today, don't we? No doubt I feel that burden and no doubt you would too. You'd feel like Jeremiah did in his day. What is the point in us going out? 
Why do we go out? Why do we preach the word? Well, he said we cannot do but nothing but prophesy. We cannot do nothing but hold forth the word of life and preach the gospel as we've been told. But sometimes we hold back because we think, well, there's no point. It's you. No one's going to hear. Even if they do hear, I'll be beaten. I'll be accused falsely. What shall I do? And then Jeremiah continues. He says this. He says, Lord, in verse seven. Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. He thought that God was against him. He thought, God, you've told me this, but it's not so. You've said this would happen, and it's not so. In verse eight, he continues: For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil. He cried out for his people to turn from their wicked ways to the Lord, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Now, Jeremiah lived what he believed, by the way, and daily the word of God was a reproach to him. The word of God that he loved, and now you could say to Christians, "Do you love the Bible?" They'd say, "Yes, we love the Scriptures." What about when it's a reproach unto you? When it causes you difficulty, when it causes hatred to come your way, unlawfully, how do you react to that? Jeremiah in verse nine said, "I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more." In his name, you might have heard that scripture before. He thought, "Enough's enough. I cannot keep doing this. It's too hard for me. Judgment's coming, no matter what." And truly, just as true today, judgment will come on the unrighteous, will it not? And Jeremiah had a similar effect in his day. He preached judgment, but he said, "This I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name." He didn't say, "I'm going to start speaking in my own name." He didn't mean it like that. He just meant, "I cannot keep preaching this." But it doesn't finish there. It says this: "But his word was in mine heart, as a burning fire shut up in my bones." You know what Jeremiah is saying? He's saying it was deep down, and I couldn't get rid of it. The word of God was deep. It was like it was buried in the depths of my bones, and I could not do anything but acknowledge it. After the Lord saved me, I didn't. I didn't fully understand what what salvation was. I didn't fully understand what it meant being born again. But I knew that God had done something, and I I couldn't ignore it. I couldn't ignore it. I, I tried to go about daily life, but I could not ignore what God had done—something deep down that I couldn't undo. And I, I was just—I had an attraction and a hunger for the Word of God. But there has been times since that day where I felt like I don't feel like doing this anymore. I don't feel like serving God because it brings a reproach to me. I don't feel like going to preach to people when they hate me. But what can the prophets do? Go back to Amos chapter three. I love that about Jeremiah. He said, "I cannot, but acknowledge it because it's deep down in my bones." But go back to Amos chapter three, in verse eight. The Lord God hath spoken. Who can but prophesy? Just as true as every other question he has. Just as true as the Bible is. What what do we do with it? We preach it. Nothing more, nothing less. What do we do with the Word of God? We expound it. We give it. We share it. What does the sower do? He sows the seeds. What about if he doesn't see fruit? He sows the seeds. What about what? No fruit, no encouragement, no wealth at the end of it. They sow. What good is the watchman walking across the city walls if he does not watch? What good is he if he does not give the alarm out? What good is he? What good are we as Christians if we do not share the gospel and shine the light of Christ? What good are we? Now, what is the job of Christians? Prophesy, but preach the word of God. Someone shared the word of God with you one day, didn't they? 
Maybe many, many times your mom or your dad sat you down. Maybe many times Sunday school teachers, maybe many times you walked across a preacher one day. Someone shared the word of God with you. Maybe it's today you're hearing it for the first time, but it's no accident because God brought you here. Maybe a friend did, but God brought you here tonight. It's no accident that we heard. God does nothing in secret. It says this in verse 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret under his servants, the prophets. Do you feel like that? If you don't, you should, because there was something deep down in Jeremiah he couldn't ignore, that something that God spoke to him and revealed to him in secret. That's how God's people should be. In private, in secret with God, we hear from God and we cannot keep it to ourselves. And this isn't just out of pure joy and excitement. God's righteousness demands that we share this to the world, no matter what. Uh, go to the uh, book of Acts with me, Acts chapter 4. You might think, well, that, that was a prophet. Of course he'll receive revelation from God. Amos, of course, you know, the prophets must but prophesy in the New Testament. You can say the earliest Christians found in Acts chapter 4 in the New Testament, we see something very, very similar. Just in the days of Amos, we're told, no, no, don't prophesy. No, 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 do not share the word of God. We do not want to hear it. We live in a very, very similar day here, don't we? If you don't, you might not be sharing it as you should because you might not see the opposition. You might not see the dark hand that's moving through this land against the word of God. In verse 1, it says this, Acts chapter 4, if you're there. And as they spake unto the people, bearing in mind, they've been told not to speak to the people. They've been forbidden to. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They do not have much problem with you just teaching the people. No problem. They, they do not mind. The God of this world does not mind if you put a church on every corner. There's no trouble there. But it says this, and preached through Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. Now, the book of James says that the prophets preached in the name of the Lord, not in their own name, in the name of the Lord. And Jeremiah said, I will not preach in his name anymore. He could have preached just like all the other Israelites' prophets, all the false prophets. No harm would have come to him. He could have read the Torah with the people, no harm. But when he preached in the name of the Lord, that righteousness and judgment and salvation only comes from him, then there was a problem. And it continues, verse 3, And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. Now, Believer, look this way. Nothing encourages me more than seeing God work through someone's life. And then you can see it. Now, I was working with a gentleman. I've been working with him for about eight months now. He's about 59 years old. He's just about to turn 60. Very stubborn man. He will not listen to no one about anything, about, about work, about life matters, religious matters, you name it. He, and he will not listen to me especially. But the other day, we sat down speaking, just one-to-one. We had a bit of time to kill in the morning while we were waiting to get access to a property. And then we got speaking. He said, what was you up to at the weekend, et cetera, et cetera. You know, oh, where'd you meet your wife? Da, 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 da. So I'm trying to tell him as much as I can uh, about church, about the word of God, what I was reading, what I've been up to. And normally conversations like that aren't hard to start, are they? And someone says, what were you up to? Where were you, et cetera, et cetera. Where are you going to be spending Christmas? 
Conversations aren't that hard to start, are they? And he continued on, and he started speaking to me about the Bible. He said, I read the Bible once, all the way through, and he was very hostile before. Every day I brought it up, and he's, you know, he'd say, oh, why do you have maps in the back of your Bible to show where God lives? And he'd just kind of poke and poke and mock and mock. And then we had a good conversation on Monday, and he was very, very soft, very, very soft. And he continued to just ask and ask. He continued just to press. And it was such a lovely thing because he was 59 years old, wouldn't ever listen to me before. And it says this, as they laid hands on them, put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide, howbeit many of them that heard the word believed. My desire is that he would hear and believe. My desire is that my brothers, my mother, my friends would hear the word just like I did and believe. Now that should encourage you, Christian, because God moves and he works and this word has power. It should be your desire. It should it should be your desire that others would hear the word and believe. If you don't tell them, how are they going to hear? They will not be able to hear without a preacher. And what can God's people do? What can the preachers do? But prophesy. That's all they can do. Verse 5 says, And it came to pass, On the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. This reminds me of Psalm chapter 2 when it says, Oh, the enemies of God gather themselves together to just rebel against God and shake their fist at him. But you know who sits in the heavens and laughs? God himself. It continues on in verse 7. And when they had set him in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? It's almost like they knew what name. It's almost like they gave him a short window to say another name or no name. But look at the response. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. That was his power, by the way. And you know the name. And Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. It was the same in the Old Testament. God's very own people who had the scriptures rebelling against God, persecuting the prophets. He continues, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto all you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Now, I've met many broken people that have now been made whole. I was once someone that was broken, but I wouldn't have ever admitted it to you. And Christ made me whole. He continues, This is the stone which was set in awe of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. In verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. If you're not saved, now everyone look this way. If you're not saved, there is only one name, given among men under heaven, whereby you must be saved. You must be saved. And the only name to be saved in is the Lord Jesus. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. By the way, that's a compliment. That might have happened to you. It's happened to me before. You ignorant 
You foolish Christian. You, what do you know? Really, what do you know? You're going to tell me about eternity. You're going to tell me about righteousness and morality with that black book. Really? What do you know? That's a compliment. They were ignorant and unlearned men was the accusation. They marveled though. By the way, that's how the world should be. They should see us, but marvel and think, look at the good things that God has done in his life. Look, he's given all glory to God. Uh, will you not accept a little bit? Surely it was you picking yourself up by your bootstraps. No, no, no. God found me. He saved me and changed me. And now he guides me. Is that your testimony? If it is, it should be known and make it known. He says this, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, I didn't know what to preach tonight. I was even struggling through the afternoon driving home. But I knew if this was the very last time I would ever preach publicly, and this is my personal local church that I've been a part of for years, I find it easier to preach elsewhere. But I think if I'm going to preach my own friends and church family, what could I possibly say? But that, yes, we go out into this wicked, dark world. I live in the same world that you do. I'm not in my own closet or in my own tower somewhere, delusional or ignorant. I live in the same world as you. I interact with people on a daily basis. I hear the wicked things. I see it. And I even see things that are going to come to pass. I know what it's like. I have the same flesh as you. I, I get fearful. Sometimes I feel slightly ashamed when I hear people mocking the Bible. But what do I do? Hide away, lock it away, live a lie. No, we cannot but prophesy. And they will take note that we have been with Jesus. And by the way, that only adds to the testimony that Jesus has been with you, found you, and he's still with you. In verse 14, continue on. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Nothing against it. Well, they, they might have something to say against you personally or me, but they will not be able to deny that Jesus saves, he heals, he changes lives, and the word of God has power. The word of God has power. Do you believe it? But they had commanded them to go aside out of the council. They conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. What a frustrating place to be. To fight against God, to fight against his people, and to want so badly for it not to be true. And the more they fight, the more they realize it's true. You might be in that place today, or someone watching and listening, you might be in that place today, you keep fighting with God, you'll lose. Surely and simply. But that it spread no further among the people. And look at what they said. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And by the way, you know, people consider Christians to be very peaceful, very law abiding, very friendly, kind people, don't they? That's not the reason why people threaten Christians. That's not the reason why people are persecuting Christians around the world. That's not the reason why uh, a teacher in Ireland got prosecuted for saying the wrong pronoun to someone or refusing to say a pronoun to someone. That's not why. It's for the stand that they make for Christ. If we're Christians living in another name or if we're Christians living to ourselves without Christ, we're not walking in the right way. Whose name do we carry if not his? 
In verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, I believe that Jesus should be the most important name to a Christian, but he should be the most important person in your life, in my life. Nothing should be more important or closer to me than my faith in the Lord. And how do I strengthen that? By going to his words. And what about when I feel discouraged, like Jeremiah, I feel like giving up and feel like these people don't even deserve the very breath that comes out of my mouth. What they do to me, how they treat me, what they say. But I, I cannot ignore what's on the inside. And you know that exam, that same feeling if you're a believer. You cannot but preach. Look at this in verse 19. I love this scripture that follows. But Peter, after they've been threatened, they've been commanded, it said they straightly told them. That means they made it very, very plain to them. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. They say, even if we're not sure on this matter, even if we're not fully sure, you judge about it. Because we can't but, look at the next verse, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We cannot but help to just keep speaking about this. The, The one who healed this man here, Jesus did it. It wasn't us. It was the name of Jesus that had power to make him rise again. And by the way, everyone that you meet in this world has had a fall. And Jesus is the only one that can rise them up. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. It reminds me of the three Israelite children just before they're going to get put in the fire. They said, well, we're not careful to answer thee, O king. This is against Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the land. And then he he has a fiery furnace there. Death is facing them. And they said, well, we're not careful to answer thee, O king, whether it be right or wrong, etc., etc. You know, we will not worship your idols. We will not bow down. And, you know, we're not going to beat around the bush about that. We're going to do what we know is right before God. And even if you have stumbled and tripped, you've backslidden, you've gone astray, you know that you're his. You're just a wandering sheep at the moment. Maybe you're ignoring that burning fire on the inside that God stirred in you. But look what they say. This should encourage you greatly. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And by the way, the more you see God working, the more you hear from God, the more you want to speak. Verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. Because of the people... For all men glorified God for what was done. They couldn't do anything. What's the worst that they could hold for us? Death. Death lost its sting a long time ago, didn't it? In Christ. They couldn't do nothing. And what could they do? So when they further threatened them, they let them go. What did the disciples do? In persecution, in peace, they preached Christ. Continually. With one accord. Continually. And many glorified God's. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was shown. Now, when when a sinner comes to, I think when someone's saved, that's a greater miracle than someone being able to walk again. When someone receives their sight again, I think it's a greater miracle than a, a filthy sinner in the eyes of God who had a black, dark heart is changed and brought to life. Loving themselves and no one else to loving the Savior whom they might have hated and despised. That's a, that's a true work and miracle of God. And if you're saved, 
You've been resurrected from the dead. That's a miracle of God and you should not be able but to speak of the things that you've seen and heard. When you're in school, when you're at work, don't feel ashamed of Christ. Because the more we speak, the more they'll want to persecute us, but more we'll hear and more we'll glorify God. Now, when God's people actually stand firm for the truth, it might make people feel uncomfortable. We don't desire them to feel uncomfortable, do we? That's not our intent. But we do not hold back because it makes people feel uncomfortable, do we? I felt very uncomfortable when I heard the gospel. Very uncomfortable. Deep down. As we do, we speak the truth in love. But we speak the truth to lead them to the truth, not just to, you know, slash them down with the sword, with the word of God, as it were. We speak the truth to lead them to the truth. If you're backslidden, if you're not speaking, if you're hiding away, as it were, look at the disciples, look at their lives, look how God was with them. Look who gave them the boldness they had from Peter denying the Lord several weeks earlier, running away. And look at the boldness that was given to them. And they recognized, hang on, hang on, there's a name and there's power. By which do you do that in? And then Peter being full of the Holy Ghost, full of the word of God. He was quoting the Old Testament constantly, full of the word of God, preached Christ. The more you're in the book, the more you read the scriptures, you see it alive, coming to life constantly, constantly. You see it clicking together. You see everything adding up. You look at the world around you and you think, Glory to God. It's almost you think, how did you know? How did you know, Lord? And he speaks to you personally as well. Not just as a group like this, but he speaks to you personally and calls you by name, doesn't he? This scripture might have benefited more than others to some. But I'm thankful that God speaks. And I'm thankful for God's people that do not hold back. They cannot but prophesy. I'm thankful for them men and women. Now, Christians, we have a job to do. We're a watchman. We ought to go into the vineyard and labor, not think, well, the fruit's useless. No good. Did the master tell you to go? Yes, he did. Jeremiah had more excuse than us, much more excuses. They nearly killed him several times. He was a young man. He thought, my life has been wasted preaching the word of God. He could have made plenty of excuses, but he knew deep down he could not ignore it. He couldn't ignore it. I'm thankful for that feeling. I'm thankful that God keeps pulling us back if we feel like going astray. And I know that feeling. I really do. Some of our brethren aren't as close to the Lord as they should be right now. Pray for them. Show them good things that the Lord has done that it might encourage them, that it might edify them, might bring them closer to the Lord. And God will use us greatly. And this is an exciting time to be in. Some of us think, oh, if only I was in that day, it would be far easier. No, 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 no. It's always been the same for God's people. And God's always had a short number of people, always had a remnant of people. Now stand up, be bold, be in the word of God. Days are few. They're very short and very dark. Let's live for him. Let's reach lost souls. Someone managed to put the gospel in my lap and the Lord spoke to me one day and changed my life. And no doubt that happened to you too. There's many more, many more. The field is white unto harvest, is it not? Let's go and labor for the Lord and be of good cheer. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the words that you gave to your prophets. We give you thanks even for the doubtings, perhaps even 
for the despair that they felt that you recorded for us, that it might relate to us and speak to our hearts. I do pray that you'd help those who feel discouraged at the moment or perhaps they feel like they've made mistakes and they don't feel like they've represented you well, Lord. But please comfort them, I do pray. Draw them close to yourself. Help them to understand forgiveness in Christ and help them to understand purpose and value in serving and help them to understand there's such joy in seeing sinners come to repentance and where only we see that the angels in heaven rejoice at just one sinner that repents and may we also rejoice. So Father, bless us, help us, Lord, direct us individually and as a church, collectively we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Amen. Thank you.